0: A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Navigation
1: system.
2: Please say a
1: command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance.
3: He's going for
4: speed. You know, I think the second or third uh, rule of the Sid Rules, the 15 Sid Rules, yes. that you uh, need to write your own Sid Count, mm-hmm. which have been around for 25 years, Uh, straddle the fence until you see which way the wind's blowing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was was one of them, one of the good ones. Now, here's the good news about, I did take the plunge Monday on Case Keenum and said that Teddy Bridgewater was going to start. You were convinced. I was convinced because of the way uh, Zim stated it for us, that he had a a talk with Case and then he was going to talk to the two quarterbacks and then he had to address the team on Wednesday and my presumption was, well, you wouldn't address the you wouldn't have to address the team if you're sticking with Case Keenum, right? Mm-hmm. That's your quarterback. But then I got to thinking, because about six weeks ago, I had said Teddy Bridgewater will be playing in December, but they're gonna have uh you know, they'll have they won't play him twice in five days. Like you're gonna have to play him now, right? Sunday, Sunday and Thursday. The Detroit game. So, I'm going back to my original point that, hey, I was right all along. So, you're not <laughs> flip-flopping. <laughs> no, you're I'm just not.
1: merely going back I, to the original prediction. That's yes, right. Gotcha.
4: I I did flop a little Monday, but I'm going back to the original right. prediction. Yes. So.
1: I thought of something when I was. Uh, but
4: now that I think about it, he could actually play him Thursday in Detroit. And Without, then have ten days, because
1: he wouldn't have the short week, right? Because yeah. he wouldn't be playing. So on Sunday. I could be
4: zero for two on my hot takes. <laughs> yeah, there. Uh, that could be there's possible. A, there's a good possible. I had a
1: thought though, and I think because you know Zim, Zim's a guy where he doesn't he, he likes the perception of being owly, and he likes the perception of being kind of a tough guy. I think what he's doing is the reason he didn't want it, or the reason he came out and said he wasn't going to tell the team he doesn't know his decision yet is because. I think he was sending a message to Case Keenum in that case. You throw two more dumb interceptions like that again, you will be on the bench.
4: And here's the other thing. You go into the locker room on Saturday, Sunday, trailing the Rams 20-10, to 10. and when you come out for the second half, they see Teddy warming up on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. You think that place would go?
1: They give him a little juice. Oh, yeah. you think
4: that place would go bananas? Of course, blow the roof that's, off. Yeah, that's uh, that's another possibility. So, case they might be starting you, but you're still on double. double oh heavens, yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we're. I think all of us under the assumption that Teddy is going to play at some point this year. We just don't yeah, you exactly find, know when. Something you find
4: something out. You uh, got to find something out. It is really a mystery of of what happens though if he doesn't play. you know several games to give you an idea what do you do now that he's active are you really gonna say okay we're gonna go by the letter of the law here and toll your whatever your that means toll your contract and try to pay a million and a half or two or whatever it is again do but they, I thought once they activated him,
1: they couldn't no, do no, that no, anymore. No, 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 So if he
4: doesn't see any if game he action... No, no. The, the, according to the bylaws, if he's on the pup list for six games, you can toll the contract. Nobody has ever done that when a guy did not stay on the pup list all year. But they can if they want to. Ooh. Um, and uh, that could, uh, you know, all of a sudden happy backslapping, i love everybody teddy and uh, his agent probably wouldn't be real well happy.
1: could they do that just in a way to protect his rights and then renegotiate with him once the offseason hits
4: no i mean i don't know when you have to make that even when when you have to make that decision what i'm saying is i would imagine they would use that as okay uh, we didn't see enough of you. You only played two and a half games, and it was okay, it was nothing special. Uh, we'll pay you seven million next year, and then we'll then we'll see how that goes, and then we'll give you the big contract, right? Something like that. Sure. But if you if they try to hardball him, then then things could get ugly. So.
1: Well, and I mean, I know that their focus and it should be on the 2017 yes, season. But yes. but there isn't a quarterback under contract next year unless they toll Teddy's contract.
4: Yeah, they're all but, free agents uh, well Bridgewater's not going anywhere if you pay him but you don't know if he can play mm-hmm. yeah it is they almost it is uh it's an interesting situation that's for sure but keenum at least starts in fact that's my new theory he Teddy plays the second half the place goes crazy <laughs> Wait, Teddy you, leads him to victory. You just said Minutes ago. That's right. You're just throwing up a bunch of different combinations so that you can say you were right right on one of them. I'm right I'm I'm straddling that fence, baby. I'm straddling that fence. (laughs) I will hit on one of these pretty styles. I'm doogieing it here, baby. I'm doogieing Uh, it here.
1: No, no, no. 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 You know what? If you were wait a minute. If you were doogieing it. You would say you asked Zim who was going to start, and he was going to give you three uh, or three. <laughs> three. He was going to give guesses. you three
4: guesses. Yeah. When when will you <laughs> first play Teddy? Well, <laughs> halftime or not at all or uh, yeah, okay. Well, it is an interesting thing, but I yeah. Zim today kind of proved to me that there's no sense in uh, in jumping at it. Here's the deal, though. I hear a lot of people say, "Well, if you go to Teddy, you can go back to Keenum." Sure, you know Teddy if you could. start a game and Teddy's not good, you can go back. To Keenum. What's, what he, is,
1: what's Keenum going to do? Like if, he, yeah. if, if Teddy comes in and stinks up the joint, yeah, and you want to go back to what's Keenum going to yeah, say? If nope,
4: if, I don't want to play. If you, if you if you start Teddy, Ed, but that's a theory. Oh, you can't go back. Yeah, he, yeah, you can. He, he can. Yeah, people get too uh, crazy about. Keenum's been a backup his whole career. Sure. He's used to this. Yeah. So, anyway, Keenum starts on. Uh, uh, I guess we knew that last night when they announced that Keenum was going to be the uh, quarterback he was the one that to, uh, was going to talk do the uh, interview but uh, good luck to you case. and as I said yesterday, among the many things I said, <laughs> the Vikings problem is a little different than everybody else. You got two quarterbacks you don't know which one's better, right? Everybody else with a quarterback controversy is they don't know which one's worse. you know every, which one's the least awful. Well, the Vikings don't have that problem, right. right? So They like both of them. Yeah, enough. They like both of them
1: enough to play. And the way that the team is constructed, too, it is nice that, yeah, Case had a really nice game until he threw those two picks, mm. but the quarterback really isn't asked to do a whole lot in this particular offense. I mean, this this team oh, is... Oh,
4: he's made some pretty good throws. But my point
1: yeah. is, my point is, this team is constructed through defense in the running game. I think if you're going to go on a run to the, the Super Bowl, you're going to need... Well, sure. You're going to need your
4: quarterback. To I, I got this throw offense like constructed, throwing the ball to Thielen and Diggs, if you ask me. So, anyway, uh, we'll be back. Collar, we'll get uh, Collar from Winter Park. Matthew Collar covers the Vikings and other matters for 1500ESPN.com. Uh, okay, what's your read on the latest quarterback news, sir? Uh, my read
0: is kind of that uh, Zimmer is waiting for uh, Case Keenum to open the door for him to bench Case Keenum, but he did not do that on Sunday, so he's going to get the next start. I think if Case Keenum had gone out and uh, thrown only the interceptions and not the touchdowns, then we would have been seeing Teddy Bridgewater this week but I got the idea that uh, Everson Griffin said, if it ain't broke, then don't fix it. (laughs) I think that's kind of how Zimmer is, only he's waiting for it to break, and then he's going
4: to fix it. Do you think there's any reluctance to uh, bring back Teddy and then have him start two games in a five-day period or four-day period? Do you think that might have anything to do with it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly uh, one of the reasons. Also, I would say that the Rams have, uh, at least football outsiders, rank them as the best defense in the NFL. But I think they have the best uh, non-quarterback player in the NFL, which is Aaron Donald, and he's a monster against uh, an offensive line that's been good, but you've got a rookie playing center, and I think that's kind of a mismatch, uh, Aaron Donald, and and the defensive line against the Vikings offensive line. So you'd be probably putting Teddy Bridgewater under a lot of pressure if you put him out in this game, and I've always kind of had it in my mind that Zimmer might see an advantage to having Teddy Bridgewater game planning for the Detroit Lions all week long, not that he couldn't come in at halftime or something like that, but planning out for him to start in that game while everyone else on both teams does not get the game plan and then has to play on the short week, maybe having Bridgewater already ready to go. But then, I mean, it is a fair point that if you start him after the Thanksgiving game, then you get that extra time to prepare him. I mean, it's, I, it's hard to get a read on exactly what he's going to do, but I think, Barring a Keenum meltdown, there is a possibility that Zimmer has a date in mind that he's going to stick to, unless Keenum has really great games every week.
4: Uh, we were just talking here, Matthew, that uh, it's twenty to ten Rams at halftime, and when uh, they come out for the second half, Teddy starts warming up. That place would be jumping a little bit. Oh
0: yeah, oh,
4: <laughs> I think the
0: place. I think that there's a lot of people who are probably buying tickets just in case they get <laughs> to Teddy. I mean. He has remained as the most popular Minnesota Viking player all the way through this, even when people were starting to buy into Sam Bradford. I think there's maybe a handful of fans who uh, doubt uh, how good Teddy really is. But if you brought him out at halftime, I think the place would go nuts. And I see that as a possible scenario, too. I mean, I heard you guys talking about it, that uh, I feel the same way, that I've kind of stuck to, I think, Thanksgiving Day is a possibility. But you could talk yourself into so many different scenarios, I mean, there's even the possibility that they would wait for Case Keenum to to go on the road, these three straight road games after this week, and then try to bring back Teddy later on for the final three games, even to give him lots of practice to be uh, totally uh, in the offense and feel really comfortable. I mean, I I really don't know which way it's going to play out, and I can tell you the last guy who's giving any indications is Zimmer, outside of the fact that he's not naming Case Keenum as quarterback for the rest of the year. So I think we know it's in his mind that Bridgewater is going to come back at some point. We just don't really know when.
4: All right. You're you're Mr. All 22. You watch the whole thing. What? How does Adam Thielen uh, get himself? It's not all play design. How does Adam Thielen get himself open so often? Uh, I think it's route-running detail is
0: probably it. I mean, uh, the great thing about the coach's film is that you can watch all the way from up top so you can see what the defense was doing on a particular play and what Adam Thielen did to get open. And just one example, uh, Adam Thielen uh, had, I think, maybe a 30-yard reception, something like that, against one of the top Washington corners. He cut inside as if he was going on a slant and then slammed so hard on the break His shoulders were turned in one direction, but then he was able to spin the opposite way super quick, and the corner couldn't turn his hips fast enough, and that gave him enough separation. I think the other thing is, too, that Adam Thielen does not need to be that open to catch the ball, which is another big advantage. He does get himself open with incredible route running, But I think another part of it is just that there were a few catches on Sunday where he's not even really that open, but Keenum throws him the ball and he's able to to bring it in even with a guy draped all over him. It's kind of with him and There there's so many similarities. They both are these all-around wide receivers. It's not like they just do one thing well. They just go deep or they just go underneath and get yards after the catch. So if you're an opponent and you have both of these guys, they can do anything on any play. There's no way to game plan or scheme them to limit them because if you, if you try to stop the deep ball, then they'll go underneath. There was a 38-yard reception uh, where Thielen had a quick slant, too, so he can run after the catch. He can break tackles. I mean, it really is amazing with both of these wide receivers how good of all-around players they really are.
4: Did our guy Laquan get a catch uh, Sunday? If he did, I missed it. <laughs> Uh, he did not. He, you know, I think he, he played, was, Is it first zero in a while then, right? Uh, I think he only played about
0: uh, 35% of the snaps. And, uh, yeah, he had one target, and it was a bad throw from Case Keenum, and that was it. And I think this week you probably won't see Treadwell a lot either because with this defensive line, I think they're going to use a lot of the two tight end sets and the, the two tight end sets have been huge for them with the play action, that 51-yard pass to Stephon Diggs. They had David Morgan in, and so they feel like these two receivers are so good that they can load up the tight ends and use play action and uh, have a lot of success within full defenses that way.
4: Morgan kind of came back from the dead, didn't he? He was uh, off the radar, and now he's, uh, now he's in there again.
0: Well, he's always been a a good blocker, at least this year and through training camp. But I think that probably Sunday was his best game, even without the touchdown. And so they've been working him in 25%, 30% of the snaps, but they used him on almost every other snap the other day. And so I think that they're finding him, uh, especially in that game against Cleveland, where he could get open on a short underneath pass and make a a catch. I, I feel like they're using him as more of a weapon. And if you compare, is it better to have a really limited third wide receiver Who's a good blocker for a wide receiver but couldn't block a defensive end? Or is it better to have a second tight end who can catch short passes and block? And the other thing, too, is when they have two tight ends in, the other team usually brings in three linebackers. So if you have three linebackers trying to play in the zone when you have these two great wide receivers, I think that's a big advantage. So I think we may see more David Morgan than Laquan Treadwell going down the stretch.
4: Yeah, I saw. I think it was the strip wrote a piece about how Quan is uh, kind of starting to pay off. I think he's got eleven catches, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. last week this is, pay- this is a small payoff. This is a small payoff. That was that was, was just.
0: We just had this story over and over and over again that oh yeah the light went on for Treadwell in the third week of camp the light went on in preseason the light went on midway through the day. the light isn't coming on with Laquan Treadwell I, I don't I just don't see
4: it well especially with those other two guys I mean what the hell uh, you know you're not but uh, you're gonna you're gonna get him in on a lot more plays so you can have Thielen and Diggs sit down. that doesn't work that way when do they have to pay Thielen? are they already uh, they already, they yeah, already, they already did. did okay all right he he underpriced himself i got a hunch
0: you know i so i wrote a piece this off season that the green bay packers would be really smart to throw an offer sheet at adam Thielen, a like a mm-hmm. big money offer sheet because if you watched the film last year you saw that this was it was not a fluke at all that the route running the hands the competitiveness all that stuff you saw that and if I were another team, I would have watched the guy on film and said, especially the Packers, who can always use another weapon, and said, I-, I can steal this guy from the Vikings if I can outprice him. Nobody did that, and they got him at a very reasonable contract, which I think will allow them to also sign digs, and you could have these two guys for a
4: long time. Hey, the nice, stable leadership of your Buffalo Bills, uh, they get humiliated by the Saints, and we now got a guy named Peterman going to play quarterback instead of Tyrod Taylor. That didn't take long. Uh, You know what?
0: It's really funny. I've seen a lot of people defending Tyrod Taylor on Twitter today, and uh, I covered him for a year in Buffalo, and I've, I've kept up with their games. He's not a very good quarterback. He's got a lot of limitations, and they changed offenses. Uh, to where it didn't really fit his skill set, because he can really only do two things. He can launch it deep, or he can run with it, and that's it. He's not very good at uh, reading the line of scrimmage. He gets sacked all the time. I'm not surprised that they decided to do this, but it seems like a lot of the Internet is. I think a lot of Bills fans probably saw this coming when they decided that they weren't going to sign him to a long-term contract in the offseason. So I think, I think he's a, a limited quarterback who can have some success if he's got a great situation. But the thing that baffles me about the Bills is trading away Sammy Watkins, trading away Marcel Darius, two of their most talented players, former high picks, and then trading for another wide receiver who really isn't very good in Kelvin Benjamin. Like, what direction are you guys going? Are you guys trying to win the Super Bowl? Are you trying to make the playoffs? Are you tanking? What are you doing? And I guess it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that a Bills franchise doesn't really know what they're doing.
4: I heard what, I heard someone uh, last night uh, talking about the improved Carolina Panthers, and he said one reason they're improved is they got rid of a slow receiver like Calvin Benjamin. I, the way I look at Calvin <laughs> Benjamin is he's like a slightly taller version of Laquan
0: Treadwell, and they made Cam Newton throw on the ball because he didn't have an Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs. I I thought he was a pretty poor receiver and the Vikings really embarrassed him the last time that they played him last season. So I wasn't surprised at all to see that deal, but I was confused at why they would trade away Sammy Watkins, a good wide receiver, and then later trade for a bad wide receiver. So I'm a little baffled at their direction. Because they're the
4: Bills, that's why. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank, yeah, you, yeah. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. All right. Matthew Collar, uh, Viking, does a great job. Uh, I'm, I mean this now, sincerely. Not as a homer. 1500ESPN.com, he does a terrific job covering the Vikings. He breaks stuff down. He breaks it down.
2: Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Indeed.com. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. Uh, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, as you've heard, will stick with Case Keenum as his starting quarterback. I heard Teddy that. Bridgewater. Uh, Keenum threw two interceptions Sunday that let Washington back into the game. Zimmer was asked by reporters today, uh, "Well, what he told Keenum about the interceptions?
4: Don't do that." <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Profound. I love that. <laughs> Very we detailed. didn't use,
4: I liked the NFL better when we just threw it around and didn't care about interceptions back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, in the Tommy touchdown Rick. Tommy days. Tommy's, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that's okay. We'll get him next. Hey, minute. speaking of that,
1: Danny Testaverde throwing mm-hmm. thirty-five picks with the yeah. Buccaneers <laughs> in the 80s. Did you guys? You know, guys know that Tommy's on Twitter now, right? I did not. No. Know. He, uh, I'm going to try to find this. This was just the other day. He put out a tweet. I think Randball retweeted it. That's why I saw it, because I don't follow Touchdown Tommy. But basically, it was something to the effect of, hey, feeling like throwing the ball around this weekend. Who's up for uh, gave a game of catch before the Vikes <laughs> game on Sunday? Oh, oh, God. That'd be fantastic.
4: Yeah, he's been hanging around a little, hasn't he? Maybe trying to get a few appearances.
1: Wasn't something. he uh, Wasn't he coaching somewhere, too? One of the high
4: schools here locally? Here? I I thought so. Well, he's not living back here, is he? Oh, I thought no, maybe I don't he think was. So. He's still living in Texas.
1: Right? Yeah, here he goes. I think I still have a few passes in me. Who wants to toss around the old
2: pigskin <laughs> Sunday before the game tailgate? The old <laughs> That's awesome. Meanwhile, the Vikes, uh, looks like they'll be getting back their starting right tackle to play against the Rams. Mike Rammers missed lack, uh, last week's game with a concussion. Back at practice for the Vikings on a limited basis. Andrew Sandejo, who left in the fourth quarter of the game against the Redskins, has a groin injury. He did not participate in practice today. And Everson Griffin, still limited in practice, but he uh, told reporters his foot injury is improving. He plans to play this week. Across the border, Aaron Rodgers took snaps from a trainer. And whipped a towel in a throwing motion during today's practice, according to wow. Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee <laughs> Journal Sentinel. Mark the first time Rodgers did anything during the portion of practice open to the media since he broke his right collarbone. Can you imagine if he plays in Week 16 mm-hmm. against the Vikings? Yeah. yeah. Did you see the—, uh, the,
1: the Packers Brett, might be 6-8 by then, Did though? you yeah. see
4: what Brett Honley's quarterback rating was in the fourth quarter uh, Sunday? I missed it. Perfect. The first perfect fourth quarter, Favre never had one, Rodgers never had one, oh, really? wow. Brett Huntley had So you're one. saying the torch has been passed. The torch has been passed. I'll say one thing, Rodgers was quite the teammate on the sideline when Huntley threw that one oh, yeah, touchdown yeah. pass. He was.
2: What's
1: uh, funny, too, is Matt Flynn also has like the single-game touchdown pass record, too, uh, from that one big seven, game he had against right? the Lions. I mean, yeah, yeah. Six or six seven. Six or seven, seven. yeah. Seven.
2: Yep. Uh, one other NFL note. Late this afternoon, Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott has withdrawn his appeal of his six-game suspension. That announced by his agents. He'll return to the Cowboys Christmas Eve against the Seattle Seahawks. Meanwhile, he's in a foreign
4: land working out, and the NFL is going nuts because they can't monitor him.
1: <laughs> Zim, what would you say to Zeke if he thought about doing that? Don't do that. Don't do that, Zeke. No, no, Zeke.
4: Go to the foreign land of the, you know... I'd go to the hills of Uruguay and let those jackasses try to
2: find me. (laughs) Twins manager Paul Molitor, of course, named American League manager of the year yesterday. He was on with Mackey and Judd this morning here on 1500 ESPN. They talked about dealing with all the Twins' young players this past season.
3: You know, I I just look at it that I I, I remind myself every day that this this is a really hard game. And, uh, you know, you, you would like to see certain things that happen that don't, and you sometimes get a little frustrated. But you remember that that's uh, something that you endured as a player, too. So I, I just think trying to be empathetic and understanding that the game's not as easy as it might look sometimes when you watch it on television.
2: Molitor also told the fellas he expects the team will be busy in the offseason trying to upgrade their pitching staff. The Twins avoided the $3 million contract of 16-year-old Dominican shortstop Jelfry Marte due to an issue the team discovered during a physical. Uh, that issue apparently related to Marte's vision. He's now a free agent. He worked out yesterday for some clubs in Orlando. With Marte's contract voided, the Twins have an extra $3 million available in their bonus pool for the 2017-18 signing period, which ends June 15th of 2018. Uh, Otani! Mm-hmm. Otani! I'd be all right Otani. with that. Otani. Japanese two-way star Shohei We've Otani. have done very well with Asian guys, so uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's bring in another one. Otani, the biggest name on the verge of becoming eligible to, uh, to sign, and Cuban center fielder Julio Pablo Martinez. Also likely to be declared a free agent during the current signing, period. All right. Thank you, Johnny. You bet. Uh, oh,
4: Jordan ahead. Bianchi coming up. Uh, will uh, preview the last day of the Monster Cup Cup Racing. The uh, final four for the Monster Cup Series. Uh, the final race on uh, Sunday at Homestead in Florida. Kyle Busch, Brad Kozlowski, and Kevin Harvick, all champions at one time of the Cup, and Martin Truex Jr., who's won seven races this year and is the leading uh, leader going into the uh, championship race on Sunday. Uh, Jordan Bianchi is with us. Uh, He covers uh, Cup racing for SB Nation. So tell me, Jordan, my guy Martin Truex Jr., if obviously if one of the other guys win, they win. But uh, if one of the other guys doesn't win, where does he have to finish to win?
3: You know, well, it's best finish wins the championship. So out of these oh, four really? drivers who, yeah. So whoever finishes the highest out of these four guys wins the championship. That could be first, as we've seen the last couple of years, that could be 16th. It could be 36. It just kind of depends. But the way that this has played out the last few years is you have to be on your game. And the best drivers have typically risen up and, and and showing that they deserve to be champion. And we saw it in 2014, we saw it in 15 and 16. Uh, the guy who wins the championship wins this race. And I think that's probably what you're going to see on Sunday.
4: And so the deal is that there's no real, once you're in the final four, there's no advantage.
3: There, there is no advantage. It is a straight one race winner, basically winner-take-all format. There's no points. There's nothing else. It is just beat the other three guys you're racing
4: against. Well, I was talking to the great Dave Ferroni last night, who's Martin Truex uh, Jr.'s uh, PR guy for Furniture Row uh, Racing. Uh, he was telling me that uh, Truex has won four times on mile-and-a-half tracks this year, four or five times uh, of his wins have been on mile-and-a-half. Truex has got seven wins on the season and six of those seven wins on
3: mile-and-a-half racetracks. Okay. And that is why, if you look at Homestead and you look at that team, they are the team to beat. You can make a case for the other three guys and why they might win it. But at the end of the day, if Trix doesn't win this championship, it's going to be because he probably screwed up or something happened to him to take him out. That is how good he's been on these kind of racetracks.
4: So how does that work? How do you suddenly become dominant on a mile? It's a little bit different of a car, but what what's how does that work?
3: Well the mile and a half racetracks are really a testament to horsepower, you've got to have a great engine and aerodynamics and you've got to have your, you've got to have a great setup, a chassis setup, and you've got to have a lot of different things. That, you know, you go to a short track like Martinsville, that's really a driver's track. A, a great driver can take a bad car and do good things there. On these mountain-half racetracks, it is a total team effort. You've got to have the whole package. You've got to have the driver. You've got to have the crew chief. You've got to have the race car, and you've got to be able to execute. And that's what these guys have done. They have found a package that works for them. That And a lot of these mountain Ave racetracks, you can carry over the setups. And there's, the, there's a lot of characteristics that are the same. There's obviously some different things, but there's things that carry over. And if you hit on it, you can often carry that to different races and have success, and that's what you've seen this year with Martin Jr. Uh,
4: Mr. Ferroni gave me a great stat last night. In 2014, when uh, Truix Jr. Uh, joined uh, Furniture Row Racing, they, read, they led for one lap at Talladega. Yeah. You probably were aware of this. And this year they've led for, what, over 2,000 laps, right? They're, yeah, yeah. And it's not just
3: this year. I mean, if you go <laughs> back to it, I mean, that first year with Martin Truex Jr. when he was with Furniture Row Racing and Fields in 14, they, they were bad. I mean, they finished 26 in points, somewhere in there. They were they were awful. And then 2015, they were the surprise Cinderella team yes. and ended up making it to the final four. And they ended up finishing fourth out of fourth, but it was still a great run for them. And then in 16, they dominated. And this year, they've dominated. So this is really a testament to this team. It's just kind of incremental growth you know, bad to good to great to now exceptional. And now the only thing they haven't done is win the championship. And and that's what they have left to do.
4: Have you been out to Denver to the shop? I have not personally. It's on the, I'm working
3: on something about that, but it is, it is in a, basically a business district and there's no name on the, there's, (laughs) there's no name on the door or anything like that. It's, you have no idea that it's a race team.
4: That's what Dave told me. He says, you go down to Charlotte and it's like, uh, you know, everybody's got uh, all these uh, stadiums almost. It's mm-hmm. so wonderful. And he says, you go to this place out in Denver and it's a warehouse district next to a next to a dog food uh, uh, factory yeah, or something. It's
3: like a parina or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah,
4: right. And <laughs> but he says, when you open the door, you find out they got everything that everybody else has. They do, and, and it actually works to their advantage because, you know, what often happens is these guys, all these
3: teams are based in North Carolina, so these, these, these crew guys will basically jump from team to team yes. to team, and when they do that, they take secrets with them, and nothing stays secret for very long because, you know, everybody's talking, and they're having lunch together and whatnot, and they're friends. Well, when you work for Furniture Racing, you commit to working in Denver, Colorado, so yeah. you're living out there full-time. You're, it's not easy to switch teams. It's not easy to get a different job. You're not going out to lunch with guys from different teams and spilling state secrets. Everything kind of stays in-house, and that's really helped them become where they are now is because, they, like I said, they've hit on things that works well for them, and that isn't going outside of their house. It's all staying in-house.
4: Dave gave me another uh, great little nugget last night. He uh, he was working for McDonald's and wrote the, uh, the release when Chase Elliott was born. <laughs> <laughs> wow he sent out the release saying uh, uh, Bill Elliott has a new son Chase So uh, that's and of course Chase got uh, Chase got, uh, got Hamlin back right he didn't win the race but he got Hamlin back
3: no he paid Hamlin back and that's not Chase Elliott's character Chase is a pretty clean driver kind of like his father doesn't make mistakes very smooth but Hamlin you know ruffled his feathers a couple weeks ago at Martin Jill and took him out of the race and Chase paid him back. I mean, it, was, it was not obvious. It was very subtle, but it, it certainly hurt Hamlin because it knocked Hamlin out of the championship final.
4: And uh, did the Hamlin take it okay? or were, 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 Are there th- threats? Were there threats made or not? No threats. Hamlin was certainly ruffled. Uh,
3: he wasn't happy, and it was. I think Hamlin was more bothered by the fact that people are now booing him. Hamlin's kind of a sensitive driver, I okay. think, he does, and he's not someone who's been booed throughout his career. But in the last couple months, for a lot of different reasons, and now because mainly because of this. He is probably NASCAR's most hated driver, and I, and I use this loosely, but he's the most vilified driver right now. And he, yes, and he, and it's going to stay with him for a while. He's not going to shake this. And you can tell it bothers him a little bit. He had a couple tweets this week that you could look at. and You read between the lines. and You're thinking, okay, you, you can tell this is this is not sitting well with him.
4: How many years have we had the had this system where we uh, put four guys in the fi- in the final basically and said, go get them.
3: 2014.
4: Okay, is is it the right number? Do they feel is there any conversation? Is four the right number? Do they need a higher number? What do they do? They like the way it's working.
3: No, they like it a lot. I mean, it, it, you could argue that maybe there's too many drivers in the playoffs, but it's 16 drivers, and you eliminate four every three races. So it's you know 16, eight, four, and it works out well. And you get the, the and it's worked out this year, especially where you get four of the probably the so four of the five best drivers this season. Um, and if you start adding that a little bit, it's like, any, it's like any sport. You start watering it down a little bit, you're going to get guys in the, in the championship final that really don't deserve to be there. Or if you look at their totality of the regular season and playoffs, I think four is a good number. They, they, it, it works for them, and it, and it rewards the, the best teams who are come through at, at the most opportune times in the
2: playoffs.
4: They changed up the, uh, the, the uh, nine races leading up to Homestead a little bit this year. Did that work out Okay. Yeah, it worked out okay. It's going to be interesting next year
3: because they're going to move in, you're going to move Richmond and oh, you're going that's to have right. a good road course next year especially. So, it's worked out well. The schedule definitely needs to be tweaked some more. Um, there's a lot of restrictions that they can do because of different contracts and stuff, but they they're doing what they can to make it better and I, and I give them credit for that.
4: Is Homestead? We've
3: long said the schedule's way too long. And it needs to be yeah.
4: tweaked. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Are they going to they they're are they going to go to 30 Two races, or what What are they going to do?
3: That's a great question. Um, they, they can't do anything until after 20, 000, 2022, so they've got some time to figure that out. But it wouldn't be surprising if you maybe scale that back a little bit. When you have a season that goes from mid-February to mid-November, that's a long time. And you're going to a lot of racetracks that have two dates that probably don't need two dates. Those markets are overserved. Now, uh, Michigan, Michigan doesn't bit. need
4: Michigan doesn't need two, and Polkado doesn't need two. Right? There,
3: there's a lot, to, and you could say the same thing about Dover and Kansas. And there are a lot of tracks that have two races that frankly don't deserve them and are unwarranted.
4: Hey, uh, is Homestead the right place
3: to end it? I like it. It's a great racetrack. It's a mile and a half racetrack, which is uh, the predominant kind of track on the schedule. Um, it, but. The guys can race here, and you can get multiple the grooves. You can you know, run high, low, middle, a lot of passing. Uh, it's not a short track. I and mean, if you're asking me where we could end it, Bristol, Richmond, Martins will be great. But you also have to look at the weather. No one wants to go to Virginia or Tennessee in, in mid-November. South Florida at this time of year, a uh, great racetrack. I, I think they've done a really good job of marketing this, too. It's kind of a destination weekend, you know, championship weekend. I have no complaint.
4: Uh, coin flip, or who do you like, uh, Sunday? Uh, Montrex Jr. is the favorite. Kyle Busch is right there as well. Uh,
3: Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski, they have a puncher's chance. They probably need a little bit of uh, things to kind of go their way, but I think at the end of the day it's going to be a sell between Montrex Jr. and Kyle Busch.
4: All right, Jordan, uh, we'll talk to you uh, during the offseason, sir. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. All right, uh, Jordan Bianchi. Uh, NASCAR winds her up on uh, Sunday at Homestead. Uh, Kyle Busch. Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, and uh, our sentimental favorite, Martin Truex Jr., because our guy, Dave Ferroni, works for him. On this day in history, 1956, Elvis Presley made his uh, movie debut in the movie Love Me Tender. it was supposed to be called The Reno Brothers, a Civil War movie. Uh, he was playing, Elvis was, supposed, was playing Clint Reno, the younger brother of a Confederate soldier. The plot was that uh, Elvis's three older brothers all went to war, but Elvis, as the youngest son, had to stay home and take care of the family. And while uh, his brothers were gone... Uh, The word came back that Vance, the older brother, had been killed. And Elvis took up with his Vance's girlfriend Mm -hmm. and actually married her. Deborah Padgett played the girlfriend. You know what happened then, don't you?
1: (laughs) I can only imagine.
4: Vance wasn't dead. No. Vance came back. And uh, Vance uh, tried to, uh, you know, Vance... Took it like a man. That he realized that the because he had, had never married Deborah. Patrick.
1: Sure, that she had moved on. Yeah,
4: she'd moved on. But Elvis became very jealous. Uh, oh, anytime he saw the two of them together. together sure, he I can imagine. Very jealous. But they instead of the Reno brothers. They changed it to Love Me Tender because Elvis had released the song Love Me Tender and it had become a huge hit. And they thought, you know what? They wrote Elvis singing into the middle of the thing. It was the only movie of 31 features he made where he wasn't the lead character. Uh, He wasn't cast as, uh, you know, he didn't get top billing. It was the the only time in 31 movies that he made uh, that he didn't get top billing. Uh, he did well at the box office, but it debuted as number two because Giant was also released at the same time. And that was the movie after, right after James Dean had gotten killed in the car crash and it was released posthumously. And uh, and uh, so Giant beat it at the box office. But uh, 1956 alvis's movie debut he made 31 features i did not realize that we will return herm in the next hour
3: whether it's baker's simple truth turkey or mac and cheese with murray's english cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays and baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories bakers fresh for everyone Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what do we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. ARIA not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.